had the opportunity to host the all about the Allreds panel at the Long Beach Comic Con with Mike and Laura Allred. It was a great panel. It was great talking to them. Audio may not be perfect, may not be the best, but we wanted you guys to be able to hear the panel and just hear how cool they are. So hope you enjoy. He said earlier I got some questions for you. So I'm, I'm Tony Garota, Editor-in-Chief of ComicVine.com, and but you guys are all here to see Mike and Laura Allred. These are my favorite creators. Um, so you guys were at Emerald City, and every time I walked by, you had a huge line, they would always cap it off. So I, when I knew you guys were coming here, I was like, I need to moderate the panel just so I could talk to you guys, because <laughs> I would never get a chance to get up to you guys. So. Um, I, when people always ask me, like, who's your favorite artist, I always say it's, it's Mike Allred. And I was like, Madman. Because, you know, everyone's always like, you know, Batman, Spider-Man. And I was, you know, like, Madman was different. You know, he was unique. And I, I came across him a couple years after the back, in, in, in the early 90s. But as soon as I, I saw him, I was just like, this, this character is amazing. And went to eBay, snatched up all the, the 100 issues that I could find and everything. And then he just started doing... Dark Horse Comics and an image, and so uh, where did the inspiration for Madman come from? Let's start start with how did you create? Because before you were a reporter, and then all of a sudden you're, you're like, I'm gonna do comics. Yeah, well, I was a, a TV reporter for AFRTS. Part of that, I taught uh, television production at the Air Force Academy. Um, but I've been an artist my whole life, storyteller. I was writing a screenplay called Dead Air. And a friend of mine who, um, uh, we were like on a security detail together and, and uh, liked the same things. Um, although I had given up comics years before. And uh, the, when they killed Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man, I was like, this is too painful, yeah. I can't handle this. So I stopped my comics and spent my money on record albums and stuff. But uh, we would go to movie set, me and uh, my friend Charlie Custis, and he was a rabid comic book collector. And because it was an artist and I was uh, writing a screenplay, he suggested, you know, you should draw a comic book. And gave me a whole bunch of comics. And to, to put this into the exact time frame, there were two issues of Watchmen yet to come out. And he, so he'd given me all the Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, Mr. X, which got me real excited about the design, which turned me out to uh, Love and Rockets. And through Love and Rockets, I learned that you could do whatever you want with comics. It wasn't just Marvel or DC yeah. and superheroes. You do whatever you want. No, I love superheroes, obviously. But um, that's really where it started. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. I did turn my screenplay into a comic book and became the first thing I had published, uh, a graphic novel called Dead Air from Slave Labor Graphics. And uh, then I was following that up with the, uh, kind of a... But then you were going to work with Steve, remember, and that felt good? Well, even before that, uh, yeah, well, Steve Siegel, who's here, he's one of the men of action, mm -hmm. men of action. He gave me my first big break. He got me a 12-issue contract through a company called Kamiko uh, with a book called uh, Jaguar Stories. 
and my very first editor I ever had was the editor on that book, and she's sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, uh, it's Shelley Bond, and um, she she's now in charge of Vertigo, yeah. where I, I love working there as well, and and I've done a lot of stuff with her. In fact, she's a co-creator of My Zombie. People should know that. Um, and she, she's very, very modest in that way, but a lot of the ideas that, that became my zombie came from Shell. Definitely, all the clothing and all that stuff. But um, anyway, Kamika went chapter 11. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly lost her job. I stopped getting paid, and so Jaguar Stories never came out. Um, and so I was doing a lot of esoteric stuff. I was doing the series graphic music where I could pretty much just tell any kind of story I wanted. And around the same time, our kids became school age, and uh, I wanted to do something that I loved when I was their age. And so I just kind of mixed everything I wanted to do up and uh, just blended it up. And I wanted to do something that they would love, but I could have fun with that had kind of uh, adult sensibilities, but the stuff that kids would like. And that's where Mad Men came from. And, I, and with that, I pretty much just put a costume on my favorite character at the time, which was... Frank Einstein. Mm -hmm. And then over time, Frank Einstein has kind of become my alter ego. Every, everything I feel and want to communicate or express, uh, the more personal stuff, uh, I use Frank Einstein for that. Now, Laura, did you, you did the colors? And because I know you did lettering in one of the first issues. Yeah, well, most of them, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, the rest of this time is for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking because I said when we do interviews, Mike doesn't let me get a word in edgewise. So he's like, okay, I'm going to let you do all the time. Since your family's here, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, so how, 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 first of all, let's start, how, how is it being back well, home? It's from me, so you need to talk. I mean, so you're back home now because you're, you're from the area, right? Yeah. Or I grew up in Orange County, Orange City, Orange County. Four miles from Disneyland, which I found very exciting. She could care less. And. <laughs> So, so the look of Madman, you know, because it, it kind of shifted to color white, and now you're, I mean, you're one of the few colorists that when I see your work, it's like I know it's like that's Laura Allred. And for me, I, you know, I'm ignorant when it comes to this. It's like you have colors, you know, and you do some sort of magic, and somehow you make it pop out. And for me to be able to recognize, like, how, how did the process change from like the original Madman's where it's, you know, just like the. Well, um, us working so closely together, we're always like, you know, we got to progress, we got to be faster, we got to just evolve, you know. Get Better, faster, stronger. <laughs> Pretty much. And, we um, have the technology. Yeah, so now we wanted it more organic. So every time you see, anything you see on the page is all Mike's art. And I can change whatever, because whatever, we do it to be my test. I'm done. <laughs> So everything you see um, is Mike's art. I just can take the um, what he gives me and change it to whatever color I want. But when what, you see why don't you explain how we how like he'll he'll hand me a piece of art that's just a line art, and then I'll uh, I'll scan that in and then I'll hand it back to him and then he'll do washes and you know like shades and everything that I scan that in. So since everything's separate, I take that um, and make it pure color, so there's no gray in it at all. So whenever you see shading or modeling on the face, it's all his art, but my color. Okay. So you kind of have to live with your colorist or be your own colorist to do it the way we're doing it. But I think we're the only ones right now that are that's doing this process. And so, I mean, does it, it sounds like it takes longer than... No, it's fast. Oh. 
Well, how come no one else is doing it? <laughs> because you either have to live, <laughs> live with your colors or be your own colors, actually, because it's, it's doing steps and you have to have a physical art. Mm -hmm. And now, with the, um, since everything's sent through the you know, internet and everything, so you really don't, nobody really sends art out anymore, so we kind of have to. Imagine being able to watercolor a book. That's pretty much what we're doing because, but because I'm colorblind, it's all gray tones when I do the, the washes and I'll go back in there with graphite and do textures with pencils and whatnot. But when she scans it again, she can take every single pixel and turn it into any color she wants. But it still has the, the brushwork of, of my, my gray water washes, which, so it, it ends up looking like a watercolor and then the pencil textures look like color pencils and then there's also the computer stuff too, which we use subtly, that um, kind of pulls it all together. So it has a real handmade, organic kind of look to it. Yeah. Now, when did the decision, because like the, the first ones were, were black and white, you know, and, and then there was like a huge leap to the color. So when did you decide, is that black, something? Wait, blue. Uh, yeah, blue. Yeah, that, well, what we're doing now mostly started when we were doing iZombie. Because yeah, I was getting, I was getting paid to do uh, painted covers, and so I felt like, well, I should paint them since I'm getting paid to do it. <laughs> and um, and so the first cover I did a traditional acrylic full color painting, but then I realized I just kind of woke up in the middle of the night and thought, aha! No, I he can woke up at one o'clock in the morning them in <laughs> black and white. Yeah, and he woke up in like one o'clock in the morning, comes and wakes me up and says. Oh, I know how we're going to do this, and he was so excited about it. And he made me get up, and we had to go through the whole thing. And was... Let's go. <laughs> and that was during I Zombie. Now, when when you first created Madman, and you know we started seeing some of the other characters, and then eventually we saw the Atomics. I mean, did you have like all these characters in in mind, and then or did they just? I mean, did you like? I have a list of characters that I want to do, and then. Or do you just like slowly start adding? I, it? I still have a list of characters I want to do. There's all kinds of stuff I want to do. That's the problem. That's also why this is the last show we're going to do for at least a year, because I just need to just stay at my table and get all this stuff I want to do. But yeah, there's there's so many, uh, and and even with Madman, I have a, an outline which I'll never finish of all the stories I want to tell and things I want to do. Um, so yeah, every every book's an opportunity to to make that list shorter. I guess. Now we have the the Madman 3D special. Is that November? Yeah, around Thanksgiving it should come out. Eighty pages. And is is it art? Is it story? Is it? Yeah, all? it's it's. Uh, there, there's a, I did a new story. There's a really a bunch of cool new pinups, and um, it's also the the two Madman stories that people keep, I guess, their favorites. One is uh, um, Swipe from Dimension X, where every panel I tried to draw like a different artist. Mm -hmm. And so that you'll see that in 3D now. And also the world's biggest comic book panel, which yeah. is just one continuous tracking shot. That's in 3D now. Cool. And Christian LeBlanc is doing the conversions, and it's amazing to see this stuff in 3D. It's, it's really... It's a, it's a kit. And people should, should check your blog because you, you posted a couple of pictures where you have to stare at it and go cross-eyed. And yeah. I, I've, I've done that. I'm, just, I mean, I'm sitting on my phone looking at it. And I couldn't do it. I tried to get my daughter to do it. And she's like, first, because she saw me, she's like, what are you doing? Uh, 
And Jay Lee couldn't do it. He'd sing cry for hours. It was, he did a pinup and he was like, I want to see it in 3D. And this is like without, uh, without glasses, uh, what he's talking about. There's, where there's like two pictures and you kind of will cross your eyes to create a third one in the middle. And then that third one will bang. It's, it's even more effective. Uh, is it like those posters that used to be? No. It's better than that, yeah. yeah. It's way better than that. It's crystal clear. If, if you can do it, if you can make that third 3D image, it's amazing. Yeah, but you don't need to do that for the book. Yeah, the book glasses. yeah, there are custom Madman glasses, which, which will come with the book. You know, the classic red, blue lenses. And like it's two Madmans, and the bolts are like the bolt on his chest are, become the lenses. So now he has a, you know, a red bolt and another side has a blue bolt. So anyway, it could be another costume because because you've done some variations on the costumes over the years where yeah. you have the black one and the yeah. yellow and, and all yeah. That. There was one issue where his girlfriend Joe made him a whole bunch of mm -hmm. costumes and he mm -hmm. checked himself out in the mirror looking at all the different costumes. Yeah. Yeah. Like and they'd be and a lot of those were variations of classic costumes. Like one is like a, a variation of a Kid Flash costume. Uh, Kid Flash is w one of the visual inspirations for Madman's costume with the hair coming out. The, his, his hair was always intended to come out of the mask. Originally, Madman's, Madman had the full head mask, um, but he had the full head mask because I didn't, for the, the couple dozen people that read graphic music or creatures of the end and knew who Frank Einstein was, one of them did get a little surprise and have it revealed that it was Frank Einstein under the, the mask. And uh, I thought the hair would have given it away. So that's why I had the full head mask at first. So, so, okay, going back sequentially in your, your career, in, uh, it was 97, you did Chasing Amy. So uh, how did that start where, you know, because I, I remember when I first saw it, I was like, I was like that, that looks, that's got to be his art. And, and then, you know, you, you had a little role in, in the movie too, right? Yeah, first line in the movie, that, that's it. But um, what I love most about the comic book industry is everybody is so nuts. Everyone is always happy and enthusiastic and excited about something. And um, we were at a show once, and uh, I think uh, Kevin had just done Clerks, Kevin Smith. And, but, um, you know, I was work. I think I was doing, you know, I was with Robert Rodriguez by then. And I was really big into the indie movement and Quentin Tarantino. He wore a Madman shirt in Time Magazine. Um, so I was a big fan of the, these indie guys. And so I, I recognized Kevin right away. This is before he was super recognizable. And uh, like, oh, hey, uh, love your movie. And he was like, oh, I love your comic. So he recognized me. And he was with his producer friend, uh, Scott Mosier, and they were telling me how they finished Mallrats, the follow-up. And for the opening credits, they wanted to do comic book covers and asked if I would do one. Absolutely. So I did one, and it was for the Jeremy or Jason London character. I forget which twin is in the movie. <laughs> but uh, on that, as a bonus, I just threw in... Um, you know, Jay and Bob, and uh, he loved how I drew him, and so he then asked me to create their comic book alter egos, Blunt Men and Chronic, and um, it just escalated from there to where uh, he wanted me to be, they made a fake comic book convention to open Chase Amy, and so he wanted me to be there for that, and they set up a whole booth with Mad Men posters and stuff, and um, so uh, my first line is, I, I'm talking to Ethan Suplee, real big, <laughs> character actor, and I say, I love Chow Young Fat, but I don't think he'd be right to play Madman. And then the camera cuts to Ben Affleck, who's reading a Madman comic book. Um, and so that was, oh, and then, then they asked if we would do the opening title sequence. Mm -hmm. 
which we did with our friend Matt Brundage. So it, not, it looks more, to me, it looks more like Matt's stuff than mine, but still, we, but when designed, he's drawing, we designed it. But when he's drawing um, in the movie, it's all your stuff. Yeah, yeah the, Jason Lee and Ben Affleck, everything that they draw in the film is my artwork. Now, how's that feel? It's like, you know, it looks like they're drawing it, but it's, it's like, that's me. It's so much fun. I just and on the set, like uh, Ben's asking if uh, if he can play Batman and stuff. I'm like, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and now he's uh, Oscar winner twice. And yeah, he's our new Batman, so it's fun. <laughs> now um, and then, so you also did X Force and Ecstatics, and you know that's where you first saw Dupe. Now Dupe has his own language. I don't know if you if you guys have seen it. Do you have it memorized? You you tr when you see stuff with Duke, do you translate it yourself? Because oh, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that, I'll, I'll start to do it, and, and after you start doing it, you, I don't have it memorized, but after you start translating it, you know, then you can start to figure it out, and, but it's, it's, it's fun, but it's fun, but yeah, that, that's the thing, sometimes it's, it's a bit much, and you're just like, ugh, and it, you enjoy it, but. No, that's fun, that, that, was, I, um, that was a great opportunity, first time I worked with Axel Alonso, and uh, Joe Casado just taken over at Marvel, and promised a party and brought us in. We got to create these all new characters there. Peter's and great. I've worked with Peter on a Shade Story, with, thanks to Shelley again. And I love working with Peter Milligan. He's one of my favorite writers. And um, with, with that, uh, we just went to town on it. And it was Peter's idea. And then Nate Picos, our letterer, or who took over, I was lettering at the first. And then Nate created a font for me based on my lettering. And then just pretty much took over his letter altogether, so I didn't have to. Nice. Spend I just time worked there. with Peter on Duke X Men book, and um, he actually had Duke speaking English for a, a bit. Yeah, that was weird when he, he, he learned, he gained abilities. I was like, yeah. which was like, thank you, but. So. I, I think he we should have stuck to Duke talk so that people would have to spend hours <laughs> yeah. in a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, ah. Oh, translators. And I'd like to see like little translator rings and stuff, Duke rings. Yeah, exactly. So, so, I mean, when, when, when X-Force started, I mean, that was such a huge departure from... Because it, it continued in the regular X-Force series. So you had Cable and all the other characters. And all of a sudden, here's this new team, and then characters dying. And, I mean, it was pretty radical. We got death threats. Literally. <laughs> no, literally. seriously. Scary. Oh, the, the people that loved the original X-Force felt like something horrible had happened to them. And, and uh, Peter and I were like, eh. <laughs> 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 We're having fun. And then we, we killed the comics code too. Uh, yeah. That's, it, it all went. With that first issue? Yeah. We, uh, they, the codes re code rejected the issue, and Axel and Joe Casada were like, you wouldn't need this anymore. It's pointless. Marvel hasn't used it since, and DC and everybody else pretty much dropped it after that. So uh, that's one of my favorite accomplishments. Nice. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk. We'll we'll jump forward to iZombie. So, like, how, how did this? Because I remember when I first heard about this, I was like, that, that's kind of weird. So you have a zombie a girl who has to eat brains to prevent zombieing out herself, like fully. So, like, how did this start? And you know, how did you get attached? Who did you know? Did they come up? So they're like, you want to write or draw this? Shelly, Shelly again. She's the first editor editor I ever had. My favorite editor. Don't tell Jamie Ricks or Axel. This is off the record. But uh, Chelly likes all the same music that we do, and just there's just a connection there, and and there's an enthusiasm there, and so always looking for something, trying to get something going, 
And um, she'd been talking with Chris Roberson and, and just came with me with what they had and I threw back what I thought would be cool, like making the lead character look kind of uh, Debbie Harry-ish and stuff like that and uh, uh, it just took off. You had like a wear terrier character? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty, I mean... It takes place in Eugene, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, my, my favorite town, which was a great idea. It's funny because it's Shelly again, because Chris, I guess Shelly told Chris that I wanted it to be in Eugene, and, and Shelly told me that Chris said that, that he wanted it to be in Eugene. And so, so it was like, all right, this is exciting. But, um, and the TV show isn't going to be in Eugene, unfortunately, but uh, what we've seen so far, I'm really excited about. Okay. I haven't seen anything about that, so I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm skeptical. I, I have faith that it'll, but because for me, you know, like, like I, I loved it. And my confession is, I still haven't read the last issue. I have this weird thing when, when something, <laughs> I've talked about this on, on our podcast a lot. When, when, when something's over, it's like I don't want to see that last thing because then for me, I mean, it, it's ridiculous. But there's, there's always one new issue there. So it's like, I don't know how it is. Spoiler alert, everybody dies. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, the TV show's terrific. Rose MacGyver is fantastic as the lead character. And um, again, thanks to Shelley, I'm doing the, um, the opening title sequence. Nice. I was just going to ask you, like, how, how, what involvement you had in it. Um, well, with the opening title sequence, <laughs> like 99% of it. <laughs> it's uh, like Rob Thomas gave me a an outline for the images they wanted and then I broke up the images um, uh, into separate elements so that we'll be able to make layers and they'll be able to move these things around. Like in the TV show, she's going to eat brains with, with chopsticks. So, for instance, I drew her, her separately with and without the chopsticks in her mouth and then the hand separately. It, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited to see how they put it all together. Now, is and Laura, of course, is going to color it. Nice. Is chopsticks the preferred method? Is that more efficient? <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows. <laughs> I think in the TV show, it's just her way of feeling more normal about mm -hmm. it, as opposed to just chomping on it like we did in the comic book. Yeah, I, I have to. I mean, I, you know, obviously, I love the the comic, and it it just seems like a weird idea for you know a network to say, yeah, let's 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 go with that. You know, someone eating human brains. You know, honestly, it's the last thing in mind I ever thought would be turned into anything else. <laughs> But I'm, I'm really having a great time seeing, seeing it all happen. And then, of course, we had FF with, with Matt Fraction at Marvel. And then, then your brother took over. Yeah. The, so what, what was that? Because, I mean, that, that really exploded. I mean, I, I, I think it, it really hit the mark with a lot of people. Just, I mean, it was a different type of comic. Because, you know, with, with all new Marvel now, you know, things were getting a little livelier and everything. But with FF... You really had that sense. I, I use the word fun a lot, and some people hate that. They're like, like, oh, comics shouldn't be fun, but it's like, you know, I think they should. So, I mean, there was, there was really just great feeling and vibe that you guys, you know, poured into each issue. Well, that, a lot of that is thanks to uh, Tom Brewer. He's my favorite editor in the whole world, don't tell Shelley Bond <laughs> But um, <laughs> uh, when iZombie ended, uh, Axel Alonso, then he was editor-in-chief at Marvel and was like, you know, come play over here. And they gave me an issue of Daredevil and then Wolverine X-Men and then Fraction, who is an Oregonian. Mm -hmm. We go to all the same things together. Uh, in fact, in a couple weeks, he and his wife Kelly Sue are going to be down at her house. Um, we like uh, karaoke. <laughs> um, 
And you know, I have a band. I was, I was going to get to that. But with karaoke, you can instantly get anything going. You know, you don't have to wait to set the band up. And so, so we do it that quite a bit at our house, and having we even have a little stage. Nice. So we, we don't take it seriously, but we it, we it's it's big fun. Um, and you sure like release like release videos YouTube. <laughs> people, I you know people would love to see that. No, <laughs> no, that's not good. Um, but so anyway, Braxton and I had been talking for the longest time about doing something together, and he knows I'm a huge Jack Kirby fan. He said, uh, "I want to do uh, like 16 issues of FF, where it'll be like Jack Kirby's greatest hits, and we'll rep you know reference all this other stuff." And then, but what really brought me in was uh, Ant-Man was going to be the lead character, and he's one of my favorite characters. Of course, uh, more the, the Hank Pym character, yeah. but through the course of this, Scott Lane, yeah. it, it just, you know, took my heart. It's just, uh, I'm so proud of the, the character development we have in that mm -hmm. issue through him. Uh, he also wanted She-Hulk in there, who I've never had any real uh, connection with. And now she's one of my favorite characters. And I love the way Mike draws She-Hulk. Yeah. It's just, I always thought she was so big and kind of manly. Mm -hmm. Then when he drew her, I'm like, whoa, she's really pretty. And I mean, she's still big, but mm -hmm. love the way you drew She-Hulk. Thank you. <laughs> That's, uh, Ellen Medusa was like my first comic book crush, so. But FF had like a huge cast of characters. Yeah. So it was and like. the kids, which were a Because you have all the, the kids, the Moloids, all the, I mean, everybody. It's just, it was a huge cast. So, moving over Silver Surfer's been kind of a breeze. <laughs> and that's what made FF any bearable, was Tom Brevoort saying, uh, okay, we're ending here now, would you want to do Silver Surfer? And my head exploded, so. <laughs> and, and working with Dan Slott has been a dream. We're, we're, and, and with my brother Lee, mm -hmm. when Fraction, um, for whatever reason, I'm not gonna say, but he, he, he uh, got slower and slower. And uh, so it's like, uh, hey, my brother knows this stuff backwards and forwards. And yeah, Lee stepped in and just did an amazing job. Yeah, He's absolutely. literally a genius. He's unlike me in that way. Is he going to do more? <laughs> um, he's doing a, he just finished writing a Silver Surfer annual. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, but he's like, uh, if everybody's... You're going to do a Batman story together. Yeah, we're doing a Batman 66 story. But... Um, not How much of this stuff are you allowed to talk about? <laughs> I don't know if you're I'm like sure that's fine to okay. talk about. I mean, I'm already doing the covers, okay. and people are asking if I'll do an interior story, and yes, I will, and it's going to be with my brother. And it's if you're familiar with the Batman TV show, the opening animated sequence, the Pal Band, we're making that a story. So all of those images will be in the story, but then it will be in the context of the story. Nice. Yeah, so it's something I've wanted to see ever since I was a kid and saw Batman. I want, what's that story? Yeah, well, exactly. Like there's one villain, you know, they go flying by, he's got like scaly skin mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's like, I want to see more with these guys. Um, so, we, I know we can't talk about that. She'll, she'll get mad. In fact, that's why she's here to make sure I don't talk about it. <laughs> well, so, so going back to FF, because, you know, obviously a lot of people were upset when, when it was announced it was ending, but you stated, I, I noted, like from the beginning, and you just mentioned it, it was always meant to be 16 Yeah, issues. I was told from day one it would be 16 issues. Because a lot of people like, Marvel canceled it, and it's like, it's like no, it was, it was always supposed to be this. Yeah, right. that was our, our initial commitment, and uh, um, Lee stepped in to fill it out, and I, all of that stuff with Doom and 
where Doctor Doom gets the worst beating he's ever gotten in his life. Mm -hmm. That's all Lee. Lee, nice. like, you know, that's every. He, he's a he's a author. He has his own publishing company. Writes uh, novels, science fiction novels, a lot of alternate history stuff. Um, but he's always wanted to do stuff in comics, but never made. You know, like like he's done a, a few things, but he's. He did the solo stories. Yeah, the DC solo stuff. We like Doom Patrol versus Teen Titans and Batman and Go Go. That, that's I did with my brother. But I I know he would love to do comics full time, but he needs that, you know, I guess he, he, he feels he needs to be invited or something. So maybe we should start like tweeting him like, so when, when are you writing some more? Yeah, he really should. He, he is he's literally a genius. He's yeah. probably the smartest guy I've ever met in my life. And um, he's also like Mark Wade in that he knows absolutely every obscure piece of comic book history and like what character appeared in what issue. I mean, it's embarrassing. <laughs> he knows all that stuff. So, and so, with with FF and and Madman and Atomics, you obviously have no problem drawing like a, a ton of characters. Oh yeah, I do. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it. You do it like like no problem. Oh, I hate crowd scenes. I hate it with a passion. When I see a script, um, I mean, there's there's uh, a script I'm doing now that there's a, a you know show the audience applauding and then show the audience upset. It's like. <laughs> How many of these people do I have to draw? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, I love faces and expressions and, and it, you know, it's, and, but then when you're drawing a crowd, then you're like, how generic do I make them? How detailed do I make them? And it, it can really kind of slow your flow down. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of crowds, but, but if, if there's something specific happening with each of these characters, it's, it'll be fun, like, well, like with FF, for instance, there's all this happening here, but then in the background, if you mm -hmm. see Bentley doing something or making an expression where he's like reaching his hand into something, that's going to pay off. But just drawing a bunch of characters for the sake of drawing a bunch of characters is a pet peeve I can't stand. Yeah. But at least, People, I mean, they, they need, there needs to be a reason why they're on the panel. Yeah, because you, you have, do books with big, you know, core characters, like the big cast, like the main characters are. So Not intentionally. It, it works out. I, mean, I think people see your stuff, they're like, oh, he can do it. So, yeah. so you, you're, you're kind of building this reputation for yourself, no. whether you like let's, it or not. Let's, let's squash that reputation. <laughs> so that's why you're a Silver Surfer. Yeah, oh, that's man. <laughs> Silver Surfer is literally the easiest character in the world to draw. <laughs> Stars. He doesn't even have ears. He's just one, he's a white silhouette. All right. Uh, so someone brought this up to me because uh, a topic that has come up was is uh, superheroes in underwear, and I, I don't want to, you know, spend too much time on that before because because I always say like like Spider Man can't be wearing underwear because you would see Penny yeah exactly, <laughs> and you know so he doesn't have but there was there was an issue you know after he lost the symbiote and you know he was wearing like baggy they're, they're whitey tighties or tidy whiteies but they look big so. Um, then someone brought it was like, what about Silver Surfer? Because sometimes it's like, kind of like he's wearing shorts, and then other times he's not. So how, what's your take on it? It's the power of Cosmic Man. <laughs> so if he's going to be a little more formal, he'll wear like... But I mean, we've seen like he, he silvers up and silvers down, and uh, he'll have his uh, Norton Rad, uh, um, you yeah. know... Yeah, where's that from? This would be weird. He couldn't really have silver shorts because so he's... The silverness is just a thick shell of, you know cosmic energy surrounding him and would compress any clothing underneath or and also change the clothing because like he, he, he it, it, the clothing 
to be all torn up and we can reassemble it. So well, that's what I say because you know you got like unstable molecules and you yeah, know all, all this that. technology. So he's just sense. making it because <laughs> if if he was actually wearing clothes under that underneath, you, you would think it would get a little wrinkled just being yeah, so I, compressed. I would say there, there's it, it's it, it's all altering at any time. So it's like this when the silver goes away, the other stuff just forms up. I guess I never really thought about it. Like when he's so I think we should talk about this. Uh, like everybody can stay after, and we'll. <laughs> we I mean, trust me, we could talk. But I, I haven't really paid attention. Like, if he's wearing the same thing underneath, if it's the same color. It has been so far. Yeah. So, so I think far. it's like yellow, green, and black. green, and black, green and yellow and black. But it's his, it's his Norn rad. I know black when I see it. Well, you would be black. Green and yellow looks kind of the same. Too. I color in the green and yellow. Okay, so so Laura, when when you color the books with all these characters that that he's getting invited to do is is that change your process? I mean, that doesn't matter if no, you're... it doesn't change your process. One time, though, we were on such a tight deadline for FF, and I got to the last page, and it was like midnight, and I started crying because he drew so much stuff. <laughs> Why did you draw so much stuff on this page? It's just too much. I can't finish. And he's like, he's like, don't. You'll be okay. Just, just get it done. Just get it done. So what, what is your, your work schedule like? I mean, do you guys do like set hours when you're at home or do you just like, you know, go with the flow? Right. He'll work through the night. He, he'll get up like at noon <laughs> and then he'll work till like six, seven in the morning and go to bed. And then I... There's a lot of play I try to get in there. Yeah, we have all our kids, usually our kids and grandkids are at the They'll house. go over to the house and I'll spend a few hours, you know, while working. I'll kind of be amping up. But if they come in to talk to me or want something, I'll drop everything and give them my attention. Because I know that around 9 o'clock at night, it slowly turns into all me. Mm -hmm. And then I can work uninterrupted through the night. So, um, And I, I, I'm always uncomfortable calling it work because honestly I'd be doing this if I had another job. Because that's what I was doing when I, when I was in broadcasting. Every spare minute I had was drawing because it was what I wanted to do. Uh, so but like, he, he works all the time, so he's always, like... The, the, this is the, the, this year has been the craziest packed amount of work I've ever done. Yeah, it's for sure. I've never been busier in my whole life. Because yeah, you're doing the ongoing, you're doing, you know, you did that up, then you jump to Silver Surfer, you've been doing the Batman covers. Are, is there, a, are you doing a bunch of other variant? For, I, I'm trying to oh, remember. The month of, uh, yeah, there's like a like an all red variant month. In the month of May, Mike did uh, all the DC top twenty books. There were like twenty two books. Yeah, so all he did like twenty variant covers. Twenty two. Twenty two variant covers. <laughs> well, two weren't published. Oh, the uh, Justice League and the Nightwing. The Nightwing was my favorite. It's any, I've I posted on my blog, but it's he he's riding a giant bomb and trying to rip the wires out of it. It's just very simple and pure. It's one of my favorite covers I've ever done. It didn't get published. That was a bummer. I have it for sale at my table. Oh, man. Where's ATM? I mean, not that I'm trying to sell it to you. You can look at it. You haven't seen it. So that wasn't a sales pitch. That was an opportunity. So, so it sounds like, I mean... You're, you're like a machine, you know, doing all this stuff, doing all these covers. Because, you, you know, if you did all these variant covers and you're doing the Batman 66 covers, plus you're doing your own stuff, and then w when, where does your band come into play? It hasn't this year at all. 
Um, well, my, my, I, I grew up in my own partridge family. I, my kids are my band, mm -hmm. and so they're available at all times. And, and our son, who's within walking distance of us, has everything set up all the time. Like the drone kit is in the living room. Um, so yeah, but we, we've been working on our third album for three years now. Now you also did a, a couple movies, like way back. Yeah. You did Ast Astro West. Astro West and Eyes to Heaven. And then, and then there was a G-Man from Hell, which was your character. Oh yeah, uh, Christopher Coppola directed that. Yeah. Nicholas Cage's older brother. Yeah, because people always ask me because like my Twitter handle is G-Man from Heck. Yeah. And so they're like, where's that come from? And it's because you know my my love for, for everything Mike Allred, and then. I couldn't use hell because copyrights and everything like that. So I was like, I'll do heck. And so, <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> so uh, I guess we shouldn't talk about any other movie involvements with a certain madman character. Talk about anything you want to. I mean, it, it's still the same situation where. Nothing's happening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it always feels like it's going to happen and then it, other things get in the way. But um, I have no complaints. Uh, made w it was originally optioned by Universal Pictures, like 1995 or 96. And then uh, that's where I met Robert Rodriguez for the first time because they asked me to make a list of directors I'd like to see, and he was at the top. And um, then he, he like, uh, turned it down, but then got to me and was like, let, let the rights revert back to you, I'll take it. And it's had it ever since. And it, it's just been a thrill. Um, so really, we, we've made way more money not, not making it than if Universal had made it originally. <laughs> and we don't have an embarrassing movie that came and went. And now I'm kind of, now I'm, the idea of a TV series seems to make more sense. I was gonna say like, you know, how do you feel like doing a movie because it seems like movies either you know you kind of do it a trilogy route and then that then you have to reboot it if or something that, like that. And yeah. so so if you're lucky, it's a decent movie. If you're luckier, it's it's successful enough to do more of them. But the main problem in doing a movie at all has been jamming. We've done at least five different screenplays, and it's always like this one's missing this and this one needs to have this. This has too much stuff in it. And so it kind of makes sense to, if you have a TV sh show, um, you have, you can, you know, you can jam everything in, but not worry about having to get it jammed into the, under two hours, you know? Because I, I hate, like, this TV, there's a, there are TV series that should never be more than six episodes long. And you see them stretching it out over three seasons. Mm -hmm. I hate those series. And I hate them <laughs> with a passion. And then there are TV series that, uh, like, the, the rec recent Fargo series, for instance, was brilliant. It, they, they, they jammed as much as they could into every hour of television. You got all these amazing surprises, incredible character development, and then a phenomenal last episode. The end. You're done. I, I, I like these, the idea of like, well, True Detective, where mm -hmm. when that comes back, it's a, whole, a couple of other different guys, you know, or girls. And, um, I like that model, where you have an ending in sight. 
Now with Mad Men, I think I have the material to do 100 episodes. Uh, and so that's why I'm thinking it might make more sense for a TV series than, than a movie. Um, where a movie we just have really had the hardest time to squeeze it into two hours. Well, hopefully, I mean, with every single network and streaming service having comic book TV shows, I mean, I, I think people would, would like a Madman TV show. The, the opportunities are there. For me, it's about time because this, and this also is why it's uh, with Robert and I, um, I just had very much wanted to be involved. And um, Sin City, we, I, for each time that we had Madman up and running, there was something else that needed to be done beforehand. Spy Kids, for instance, mm -hmm. where the first film was successful, and if they were going to make more of them, they had to do it quickly because the kids weren't going to stop growing. Yeah. And so that that was the first time we had Mad Men with Pipeline and got put back. But Robert is this really great guy and kept us involved in that. So I've worked on a lot of his stuff, you know, doing production design and, and things, and, and or doing cameos in and, and Spy Kids too. And all of his friends who had kids, he flew them in to be spy kids in this banquet scene. So we shared a trailer with Cheech, Cheech and Chong, and uh, he sings when he pees, by the way. Um, and then, because uh, his, kid, his kid was a spy kid, and Richard Linklater's kid is a spy kid, and Mike Judge, and, and uh, that's the kind of guy Robert is. So it's like, it's fun, it's, it's all about this. And at the time, he had the largest green screen um, outside of Hollywood. So he's built this, this, this incredible empire in Austin, Texas, and he gets to do whatever he wants. And then with Sin City, uh, he asked me to hook him up with Frank Miller, and I was like, so that means we're putting Mad Men off again? He's like, this is going to be practice for Mad Men. <laughs> and uh, so Sin City uh, went ahead, and, and uh, which is to this day the most faithful comic book to movie ever. Mm -hmm. There's uh, no comparison. I mean, they're literally taking shots yeah. from the comic books and putting them on the screen. And and now we've seen what's been happening with the TV, and um, it just is making more and more sense to go that way. But I want to be involved. Mm -hmm. And where I zombie, I can kind of I have an emotional attachment, but I can kind of intellectually step aside and realize that what I need to be doing is making comic books because that's where I can control everything. But because that's a Co-creation. I can kind of distance myself a little bit. I don't have. I don't have the that protective sense of ownership I do with, say, Frank Einstein. Um, and that's my problem. I, I just don't have the time to put in what I think needs to happen. Okay. I guess that's the shortest way to explain okay. why it hasn't happened. All right, and I think we're out of time. So there's some other people coming in here. So uh, is FOC for uh, the, the 3D special still? Because people need to tell their comic stores, like, order this book. I, it was in the last catalog. Okay, so hopefully people can get a hold of Or, or they've already pre-ordered it hopefully. and let their, their stores know. I'm really excited about it. I, I'm excited. I, I think it's a real special book. <laughs> Been waiting, like, more mad. Yeah, and even the, the pinups alone are worth the price of this thing. The, the artists that that are in there, they, they, they all knew that it was going to be for 3D, so you, you'll see them intentionally doing things for that effect, and it's, it's really, really neat. Okay, so more to look forward to. All right, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for coming. So, so my question, my question is, is, who could it be? We don't, we don't know. know. And I would like to ask you which comic book that's affecting you most emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. I'll shake your head. I would love Alan. This is a John Byrne issue.
Media Creative Team. I give this a two. <laughs>